0: Um, I have the great privilege of talking this morning about Acts 12. Um, This is Peter and prayer. Um, It's a story that many of us will know, and I'm not going to look a massive amount at the actual story. What I'm going to look at is actually what this story teaches us about prayer. So... What we see is we have Peter's miraculous escape from prison is what it says on the system. Um, So, Acts 12, it says, "...it was about this time King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword." When he saw this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. And Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then... When they'd walked the length of one of the street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting it was so, they said it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. It's a story that I remember from Sunday school very well, and everyone went on about how Rhoda didn't open the door. But I think we need to cut her some slack that's not really very fair she was scared and just surprised when we look at what was going on at this time in the church um, just before this we'd seen Peter go and speak to Cornelius we'd seen that the church was just starting to spread from being a purely Jewish thing to being touching Gentiles too Now, actually, that's quite scary for Herod because the Jews and the Romans kind of had this deal that, okay, the Romans would allow the Jews to be Jews, to worship their God in their way, and they would kind of ignore it because the Romans used the Roman religion to actually hold the empire together. So if suddenly Herod's hearing actually some Gentiles are hearing, and are following this way too, that potentially destabilizes the area. As far as Herod was concerned, it was all about keeping the political peace. It was all about keeping things nice and stable. We also see that this was the time of year that everybody descended upon Jerusalem. The time of unleavened bread. It was Passover again. Now I don't know if it was the previous Passover, but I suspect it was where Jesus was crucified and resurrected. Even if it was two years previous, this time would have brought back a lot of memories for a lot of people. It was a politically unstable time, and Herod responded to that. And he rounded up some of the Christians And he killed at least one, I suspect a lot more. Um, And James is the one that is actually listed as he kills James. Now James was one of those three disciples that Jesus spent time with. Peter, James and John. And he was killed. So now he saw that that actually pleased the Jews, so he rounded up one of the others, Peter. And puts him into prison and thinks, okay, well... You know, we'll leave it until Passover has passed and then we'll deal with him. So that's kind of the background of what's going on here. The disciples, therefore, were actually probably quite scared. You know, one of the chief disciples had been killed, others had been imprisoned, Peter was now in prison too. And their response was they gathered together in prayer. Not just a little bit of prayer, but real earnest prayer. Um, And I think one of the first things that we can learn from this passage is actually that sometimes prayer doesn't do what we want it to do. I cannot possibly imagine that the church did not pray for James and the others when they were imprisoned. And yet James was killed. Sometimes we don't get the answer we want. We see that um, prayer changes things in this passage. We see that it is good to pray together. We see that prayer is a great response to an attack, either a physical attack or a spiritual attack. And sometimes Prayer does do what we want it to do. So those are the things I'm going to look at this morning. You know, sometimes prayer doesn't do what we want it to do. And that can be horrifically disappointing. And disappointing is a very understated word in that point in time. You know, sometimes it's just heartbreaking... We have all known people who have died of diseases that we think they shouldn't have died of. We all know people who've died in car accidents or similar. We all know people where things have fallen apart spectacularly and there's huge damage gone on. We have prayed for those situations and yet we haven't seen what we've wanted to happen. And I think actually being honest about that is part of the first Thing about looking at prayer because otherwise what happens is that we go it doesn't work and we give up and I actually don't think that is a healthy response you might not be too surprised to hear me say and I think one of the things is that I think our perceptions about what prayer is is are wrong at times We can think, oh, it's, you know, I need to pray so that this person is healed. So that this person is freed. But actually, sometimes we end up with that sort of vending machine type idea. If I put the prayers in, God will put the the stuff out the other end. That's just not how prayer is. That's not what it's for. It's not the purpose of prayer in the first place. I think prayer is much more about being in relationship with the God who loves us. Knowing him, spending time with him, bringing those things that are on our heart to him because he cares about those things. And we see that the disciples here, the followers of the way as it was called at that time, the early church, they had troubles coming on them, they had pressure coming on them, and they got together in relationship with the God who loves them. I think they wanted to just spend time with their father in heaven, who loved them and who they love i've reread the book "God on Mute this week" and by Pete Gregg, and you know the stuff that He, as the leader of an international prayer movement, is going through in their family, is ongoing, life-changing, and actually life-threatening. And it's actually made him look at what is prayer. It's It's a fantastic book, and it doesn't give pat answers. But he says, conversation is the mark of any loving, living relationship, especially conversation about trivial matters. And the power of prayer depends almost entirely upon our apprehension of whom it is, of who it is with whom we speak. So on other hands, actually, when we want to, you know, when we come to prayer, it's actually about the little things. It's about spending time with God and about building that relationship. But it's also, how do we see him? If we see him as our loving father, we will come to him in a completely different way to if we see him as someone we can go to with a, a list of requests, a Santa Claus. So I think it's an important thing to actually just be honest and say, actually, yeah, sometimes it doesn't work in the way I want it to work, But I think it's time at that point to actually look and go, is that because I'm wanting God to do stuff for me, or is it because I'm wanting to spend time with the God who loves me? So the next thing is that prayer changes things. In this passage, we see that Peter was freed miraculously. And it's probably the most spectacular miraculous freeing that I think we see And including Paul's later in the, the book it was right at the last minute this was the night before the trial you know Peter probably would have been thinking can you done a bit earlier Lord you know a bit less time in prison all that kind of stuff but actually that's not the point actually it did the prayer changed something and the battle that we're in is a spiritual battle And God uses those spiritual forces to bring freedom in this case. It was a very visible angel So visible that Peter actually didn't Fully realize that it it was real. It was kind of bizarre Um, But I think again when I've looked at prayer when I've prayed over stuff in the past and I feel like nothing's changed I don't believe that's true I do believe that at when we pray something always changes now that something might be us you know there are times when I've prayed for things which you know when I look back it's like well it was inappropriate I shouldn't have been praying for that um, and sometimes it's my heart that's changed sometimes it's the situation around us changes sometimes We get to know God and his heart so much more. And that is brilliant when we get to know him more. And I think we forget that we don't know what is going on behind the scenes. We don't know what is going on in the spiritual realm outside of what we can see and empirically measure. And as a scientist, I was taught to measure and to write and record. But I believe there is so much more that we can't measure and explain. And something changes there. And I think, for me, I know that when I pray, with God's will, something is more Jesus' kingdom afterwards than it was beforehand. We pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe he answers that. I just don't think we always understand his will. I don't think we always see it in the way we expect. And I think there's a battle and there's pushback against that. And we're called to pray. But every time we pray, something is going in that direction. We're adding a drop more water to that bucket. And at some point, we see what has changed behind the scenes. But all of those prayers have made a difference. Something has been pushed in a more kingdom direction. And at some point, there will be a prayer which actually we see that result, that final stroke in that battle. I think this passage teaches us that it's good to pray together. Both verse 5 and verse 12, it talks about them coming together to pray. Now, I think it's actually easier to pray together, certainly for any extended length of time. And I'm not talking about... You know, there's lots of people that feel awkward about praying out loud in front of other people. I'm not talking about that making it easier because there's others there. I think there's a sense of actually when we spend time together and we are praying together. When we run out of words, we hear other people's words and we go, Yes, I can get alongside that. I can pray with you with that. I want to be standing with you as you're moving in that direction. And prayer is a relation-building thing, relationship-building thing. It helps us to build relationship with each other. It helps us to build relationship with God. And that's important. So I'm going to challenge us this morning. When do we pray with other people? When do we get together to pray? That might be small groups. It might be at evenings like Pursue. It might be other prayer meetings that happen. Just getting together with people and actually deliberately intentionally praying. The next pursue evening's on the seventeenth of December, just as an advert. I think one of the things that we really see very closely here is that this church was under attack, so they prayed. There's a very much a cause and effect thing. This was their response to the attack. And I actually think that is a really healthy response to when times are tough is to pray and to pray together. Again, Pete Gregg says, a balanced posture in spiritual warfare will predominantly consist of standing firm against Satan and when we must attack simply wielding the word of God. It's so much easier to do that when we're doing that together with other people and standing against what satan is trying to do in our world and in our lives and when we look at the armor of god in ephesians 6 again another classic sunday school passage that i learned it talks about pray uh, you get the armor of god you know stand firm And use these things. This is the things that you need. This is the armour of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. It just says, put on the full armour and pray in the spirit. We kind of miss the link because we we read the bit in the middle, which is the list of what the armour is. But if you actually take out that list and go, so we're going to put on the full armour and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. It is, prayer is a specific way that God has given us to stand against the enemy's schemes. Finally, sometimes prayer does what we want it to do. When we've asked for something very specific and we see that response, we see that way that it's replied. Peter was freed. The thing is, they were praying earnestly and yet they actually hadn't got a clue how to receive that answer to prayer when it came. They were so shocked. Um, And we don't know quite exactly how they responded, what the words were or all the rest of it. But we do know that it was clearly noisy, because Peter had to say to them, "Look, you know, this is still a dangerous situation. Can you please be quiet?" Um, he didn't want to be rounded up within hours and popped back in prison. Um, and we see Peter didn't hang around in Jerusalem. He he left, but he didn't stay away, because the next time we read about Peter was back in Jerusalem. As leader of the church, as part of the leadership of the church, you know, this was his initial response. They didn't know how to respond, I think, to to when they saw that response. And I think we can be a bit like that too. There are times when we see an answer to prayer and it's like, "I, I don't, you know, what, how, I think the answer to that point is, well, thank you, Lord. Um, and store that away as a memory. To so actually, it's not just about the times when we find prayer hard. It's not just about the times when we get together and can't seem to see that breakthrough. It's also about actually, yes, God breaks through. God changes things. And he does it through prayer. The other thing that is that when we pray specifically, we actually can see when the answers come. You know, we don't know what they were saying. We don't know whether they were praying, you know, please free Peter. Or whether they were saying, be with him. Or, you know, what they were praying, you get the impression that they probably didn't expect what happened. But actually, when we pray and say, Look, this is something very specific we are facing. We've got this particular battle that we're facing. You know, Lord, please, can you help us with that? When it's very specific and we get a very specific answer, that builds faith. It builds that hope and that encouragement that that's how God works. So, I'm going to list that list again. Sometimes prayer does not do what we want it to do. But, prayer changes things. It is good to pray together. And prayer is a great response to any form of attack, physical or spiritual. And sometimes prayer does do what we want it to do. But I think it does when we see the purpose of prayer as being getting to know the God who loves us and being in relationship with him when one of my kids comes to me and says I've got this problem I want to hear it because I'm their mother and I love them and I want to share that burden of that worry or that concern I may not be able to do anything about it You know, so when my daughter rings up from 24 hours' journey away in Zambia, I cannot solve the problem of the ant on her toothbrush. That's only a minor one, but since she's always had a real thing about ants, that's actually a really big deal for her. You know, and yes, she was sending us the photo with a little bit of a joke, but there was still an element of actually, I can't solve that problem. But I love the fact that she brings it to me. God loves it when we bring problems to him. He is the omnipotent, amazing, powerful, loving God. But he still wants us to bring us our little concerns, our big concerns. And that, I think, is much more of a, a helpful picture of what prayer is about than the the vending machine Santa Claus type thing because otherwise we worry when our prayers don't bring out the other end what we'd put in at the beginning so what's our response this morning Um, do we avoid prayer because it hasn't in inverted commas worked in the past Or do we spend time with the one who loves us? Are we thinking of prayer as part of a relationship building thing? Or is it just a kind of list? Am I more interested personally, and I am asking this to myself as well as to everybody else, in being honest in that relationship with God that I have? Or am I more more wanting something from him? I want to see my relationship with God grow. And I know that will only happen when I spend time with him. And in prayer that can look like so many different things. But it's spending time with him. And it's not about twisting God's arm. It is about relationship. So I think sometimes there's also an element of are we trusting the one that we're praying to or do we actually think that we know better the what well, God why didn't you answer that prayer in the way I wanted you to answer it and I've done that plenty of times recently as well as a long time ago but actually it's more important to see him and to know him and to get to know him more than to think I know better. Because the bottom line is A, I don't know better, and B there is just so much more to the any given situation than I can see. I cannot possibly know everything. So this morning As we come and we sing another couple of songs, talk to God honestly. Be open with him. And if something is bothering you, tell him. He knows it anyway, so there really is very little point in trying to hide it from him. And actually, I would much rather, as a mother, my children are honest with me, even when they decide that they're completely fed up with me because that is honest relationship and actually God wants that too and it's only when a child yells and slams the door and is honest about how they're feeling that actually they can then relax back in their parents arms and say yeah it's okay i'm still safe here and i think that is sometimes what we need to do is actually to be honest with God and say look this sucks this is how i'm feeling I know you're still my father and you are still good as we sang earlier there'll be people at the back to pray Um, but also I would say try and see and again I need to do this more to pray with others to get together to have people who will pray with you and build that relationship with the God who loves you